0: Welcome to the Social Ideas Podcast, brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the lens of those striving for a better world. I'm Pam Mungru. This summer, the global pandemic and the English government's decision to use predictive analysis resulted in millions of A-level students losing their opportunity to go to university. In this episode of the Social Ideas Podcast, Masters in Social Innovation student Adriana Daba discusses how predictive analytics could be used in her job as a social worker. But before we got into the knotty topic of statistical algorithms, I asked Adriana why she chose to study social innovation.
1: So I've done social work. I've always wanted to do sort of macro-level programs, so doing more community-focused rather than one-to-one. But I found this out after I completed my social work. So doing visits, you, you get, end up seeing that, you know, for your visits, some families are struggling with things that are beyond your control as a social worker. They are more uh, societal, more environmental. So actually there's an interplay between what happens with children and families and what's happening, you know, at policy level. So I thought it might be a good idea for me to sort of look into a program that sort of focuses on, on sort of how can I have a community lens. So I did uh, my, my master's in public health at Anglia Ruskin. It was very helpful in that way to sort of understand how to strategize at a sort of macro level. But after I completed that, I felt like I didn't have the, I didn't know where to start, so I had all this knowledge, but I didn't know what practical strategies I needed to to start thinking about, you know, community intervention at that level. So that's when I came across social innovation. So I was very pleased that it quite appreciates, like, so local authority level of support and recognizing uh, public organizations, because what I've found was most programs where they focus on innovation, it's either business-led or civil society. So yeah, so that's how I ended up in
0: social innovation,
1: trying to see how we can be creative with um, the public sector.
0: Can you give me an example of how would what you've learned manifest itself at the level? Yeah.
1: So I think it uh kind of connects with my research, which is what we're going to talk about anyway. Right. So with social work, right? Um, when you go out to see children and families, you have to think about the history that they've had. What are the lived experiences of this family? What can we realistically change? And is there a stage where we have to get to a point where we say, you know what, with everything that's going on for this family, this is a good enough stage. Although as a social worker, you know, you would want to do more. So that's how I sort of got attracted to thinking about how social work can be more creative but at the same time understanding that we, we are having budget cuts and with the way things are looking now it could be more budget cuts. So I started uh, sort of reading on predictive analytics and how they're hoping that you know in child protection you can be able to identify children and families who may need support at a later stage before sort of the harm or the escalated sort of abuse has taken place which warrants a social work visit so I thought that's something great to be involved in but as a social worker I wasn't aware of it I'd I'd never heard of it I knew about it because I was doing social innovation So that would be something that I would be interested in Um, and uh, and most of the social workers that I interviewed in this research would be interested in that, to be part of that debate that contributes to policy that's going to be put in place that will have an impact on the families that we work with and our practice as social
0: workers. You mentioned your research dissertation and also you mentioned the fact that it was centred around predictive analytics i have no idea what predictive analytics is the two words separately i've got it put it together i'm not sure i understand give us
1: so um so i think with the thing with predictive analytics it depends on which field you're sort of studying or reading it from so in social work it's still quite a fairly new topic that's being discussed so what it basically means, I'm not going to give you like the definitions and things, they are boring. So I'll just make it more practical. Uh, So what it just means is, is an algorithm so it's data that's put together when we're referring to social work it can be data from the previous social work involvement uh, police involvement education involvement health involvement so it's it's a data set that it's that is in one place and there's an algorithm that's set to process that information and then give a recommendation to say based on this information this child is likely to suffer harm so a social work visit is required or based on the information can't see any indication of um, significant harm likely to happen so does not warrant social work involvement.
0: Doesn't that take away from human instinct? Wow
1: that was the major question as one still a challenge or an answered question with my research We, we sort of left it Unanswered, if so to speak so with the social workers that I interviewed some of them were from a London borough that that is believed to be using predictive analytics but they had no idea how this is impacting their practice they had no knowledge whether it actually has an impact on their practice as social workers but the sort of generic finding from from my research most social workers were saying for technology to work it has to work alongside the professional the professional has to have an overriding sort of hand over technology so if a predictive analytics or if an algorithm says no this family does not need a social work visit a social worker must still have enough control to override that decision and what we found was if technology then has an upper hand over the, professional and the human aspect of sort of looking through information and analyzing that information, then there's actually more harm that could be done than good, which is what would be intended for the technology. So what we know is like with social workers, for example, they when you're in an office, there are social workers who've there are many families that you know have been known to social services for long. And you'll find a social worker who has local knowledge on, on that family and it's the human aspect that then feeds into how the approach is done to intervene as social workers or not to intervene as social workers but if we just take what technology says then it becomes a problem which is what's happened obviously with the current debate that's going on for with the A-level students it's just an example of technology without the human aspect of teachers and uh, debates having to happen before they were implemented how it actually uh, does more harm than
0: good. The devastation that thousands of A-level students in particular felt you take that and these are qualifications and that's not to minimize their qualifications it's not to minimize you know the the impact but if you take that a step further into Mm -hmm. something like social work where you're taking data sets and you're analyzing information churned out by a computer what are those negative risks then that families could potentially face well the, the
1: main question that we sort of had throughout um, my research was the issue about consent so um in social work, if we are visiting families on well we have two different ways of visiting families so under the children's Act there's section seventeen where it's voluntary a social worker asks or requests a family whether it 's okay for for a social worker to for a social worker to visit the family have the right to say no and at that point if they say no then a decision has to be made whether you know if a social worker doesn't visit are we saying that this child is likely to suffer significant harm if that's the case then there's a process to escalate that which warrants a social worker or police to to visit even without parents consent But when we receive a referral, social work practice is that families are supposed to be aware of the referral being made into social care. So, if with predictive analytics, if we are saying it's going to be using previous information, either from social care, education, or police, there's the question around this consent. So are families going to be aware that this is how their information is going to be used? They have to be made aware. So uh, there have to be debates that happen on sort of how is that going to be incorporated? And we can't just use predictive analytics without people knowing that their information is being used in that way. But again, social workers um, that I interviewed were sort of debating and saying, but we already use that information. So for example, when we receive a referral, because we—if it's a family that's known to us, uh, we've already done previous assessments on it. We've already received historical information from health and from police. So we already have that to make the decision on whether we become involved or not. So in that instance, it doesn't appear like consent is an issue. But for families where we know very little and we need to know more from either police or health or education, and there's this tool that can give us the answer, but there's that question around, you know, are we using information ethically? <laughs> so that's sort of the main challenge. And then the other sort of, negative impacts we we spoke about was um you know, bias and stereotypes are are real in life. And even just taking an example about, you know, what's happened with the A-level results. When I was doing my research, uh, there was a paper that I read on um, that showed that because of biases and stereotypes in, in the education sector, children from Black ethnic minority backgrounds are likely to be predicted lower grades than their actual performance. So, of course, when they sit for the exams, that's, a, that's an opportunity then for them to, to get the marks that they deserve. So with the A-level results, they had an advantage of being predicted lower grades. And then, of course, the predictive grades knocked them down. So it was like a double whammy on, um, on already disadvantaged groups. So um, I took that same point in relation to social work, because actually we are dealing with Mostly vulnerable families. So, if we are saying that we are going to be judging them based on their history, again, what what value is that? Does it match our social work values to be non-judgmental and to try our best not to hold any stereotypes? It's quite unlikely because um, data it depends on how it's incorporated and based on the conversations that I was having with social workers most social workers didn't know what would need to happen for that tool to start being used a social worker is going to be spoken to a service user is going to be spoken to you know there's um a lot of debate that needs to happen on how actually that data is going to be is going to be collected and how that algorithm gets to make the decision to say this child or this family must have a social work visit so they still very like high chances of um, making decisions that are quite based on bias and stereotypes and then there was another point again on if it, it depends on how you know this tool this exciting tool about predictive analytics is introduced in in social work so if it's introduced in such a way that it's top-down communication. So it's senior management telling social workers that we have this tool, you have to work like this with this tool, and that's it. That's a challenge because social workers have to, they are the ones that have to answer questions when they go out to visit families. If the predictive analytics are not accurate, is there a way to communicate that back to senior management? Uh, So actually there has to be, a change with with narratives and how communication is between senior management and and social workers. We have to move away from sort of telling social workers what to do, which is currently what's happening. because the debates around predictive analytics are focused on policymakers civil society it was quite difficult to sort of get material that is based on social workers offering their voice um and their perception and understanding on what actually this means so actually that's where the problem starts isn't it they haven't been sort of invited to that conversation to contribute to it um but they'll be expected to work alongside the tool
0: which mirrors what's been going on with the a-level results yes Teachers were not invited to be a part of that conversation. The A-level debacle doesn't bode well for predictive analytics. I have to be honest. So from what you've researched, is there an appetite for it or is there a huge amount of concern?
1: Well, um, the social workers I spoke to were open to it, but were very, uh, what can I say? They were... If it was to be implemented, it has to be taken slowly in small bits. It doesn't have to be implemented on a large scale before we know what this actually means for our practice and for our service users. Social work in itself, is a, especially in child protection, is a very difficult um emotionally difficult profession it's viewed in a negative light because of you know the media and everything so an initial social work visit is already without predictive analytics is already difficult for the social worker and for the family so if we are going to be going out based on predictive analytics um, recommendation Without a clear understanding of how we've gotten to this recommendation, again, it's going to prove as a barrier to families because families have the right to ask, Well, why are you here? We have to be in a, in, in, in a position to, to be able to confidently answer that question. So, again, you know, so it's that doesn't bode well for, for predictive analytics. But what social workers were clear about was it, in itself, is just a technology as a tool. It won't work because actually social work is founded on working relationships, human interactions. So predictive analytics, that algorithm will have to work alongside a social worker. A social worker needs to either agree, disagree or override um, whatever would have been recommended by the the algorithm. So I think here, when we look at the A-level debacle, technology was used in isolation and look what happened there but social workers are willing to know more about it willing for more debates to happen so that conversations can start happening and then see how that goes
0: it seems a little bit lazy Mm. to be using software to predict someone's grades to Mm. predict whether someone gets a knock on the door from a social Mm. worker but it does feel like it's it's about almost about divesting oneself of responsibility in decision making yeah well yeah that's one
1: way to look at it and and i did look at this in my in my in my research that actually there are different motivations for different levels of management and professionals with the introduction of predictive analytics in social work I was looking at you know the budget cuts that are happening and social work continues to be um, a critical skill so it's needed but we're not recruiting enough social workers or social workers are not staying in their job for long because of high burnout high stress levels so it's finding creative ways on how to make technology work for social workers so that's how I understood sort of the thinking of predictive analytics into social work but I also looked at how because even as a social worker if I was to get a case today I still have to go through the history before I pick up the phone call if I'm going to do that. And before I make any decisions. So actually, what is it that I do when I'm looking at the history that predictive analytics would do as well or wouldn't do so well? So that's something that I thought about in my research. And I think more of it um, ended up being about efficiency and time. So social workers, we, we are always behind time. We are always overworked. So you, you would rather be out doing the visit and direct work with children and families than to be sat in the office going through paperwork and trying to understand histories and if, if there's a way to, to better sort of process that information. So that's how social workers in, um, in my research sort of looked at it. That can be an opportunity for a tool to go through the history at a faster pace in order to inform the social work so social workers spend more time with children and families than
0: in the office with paperwork you've mentioned inherent bias and stereotype you've yeah. mentioned the impact on disadvantaged communities and disenfranchised yeah. groups yeah. is there a way to ensure that those biases don't happen That those stereotypes mm. aren't bought into i think i think there are ways to
1: minimize so to speak so in social work there are opportunities for us to sort of test on the usefulness of predictive analytics um, and challenge biases and stereotypes through supervision but then again it all boils down again to the top-down communication it needs to be open and transparent and flexible for social workers to feel confident enough to say well actually the intended outcome for for predictive analytics was this, but actually what we are finding is we are visiting one postcode area. And for social workers to have the confidence that that is going to be followed up on, that is going to be changed, because what would be more harmful then, or a waste of resources, so to speak, would be for social workers not to trust that the predictive analytics are minimizing bias and stereotypes, because that would mean whatever recommendation is given by, by, by the algorithm as a social worker I will override it because I'll say well actually it, it's quite in, inherent of bias and stereotypes so I'm going to make my decision so when you think about it you know financially and budgets for local authorities well there won't be a need for predictive analytics Yeah. so there just needs to be open and transparent sort of communication channel for social workers to challenge each other as well because we are human beings we come from different backgrounds and as a result we hold some beliefs that you know that here and there need to be challenged for us to sort of be be fair and non-judgmental as much as we can
0: I've listened to you speaking about this. I've I've heard about your research and the overwhelming evidence seems to be that predictive analytics is not worth the hassle. It is not what people seem to think it is. And if that's the case, why are people still pushing forward with using it? Well, I
1: think, uh, you know, the challenge is, so when we look at predictive analytics in, in marketing, It works. It makes sense. The predictability of having more customers, or it 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 makes sense in that field. But trying to sort of incorporate and hope for the same outcomes that predictive analytics is doing for marketing in sectors that you know have real life impact. We're talking about education. We're talking about someone's life. Like a decision that's been made today is going. Someone is going to live. In that impact of that decision for the rest of their lives. And when we're looking at social care, I believe that social care is the heartbeat of society. Some people will say it's economics, but I believe that it's social care because without human life, without the well being of humans, there's no economics that's it. There's this hope that you know what predictive analytics might be doing for 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 business or for marketing will be the same that it does for for the other fields but actually maybe we really need to re-look at that It, it could be different for education and social care maybe with those fields we actually need to look at the real problems which are funding in the
0: right areas. That was Adriana Darba, a social worker and one of our Masters in Social Innovation students. You can find out more about the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube.